Welcome to Bible Education Institute. My name is Reverend Henry Kelly. Today, for the church service topic, it's going to be why God is not mocked. Why God is not mocked. If you turn your Bibles to Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, it says this. Do not be deceived. <clears throat> God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, <clears throat> that he will also reap. So what does that mean? That God's word stands. Whatever he says, he's going to back it up. <clears throat> he's not like people that we say stuff and then a lot of times we'll back up from it or we'll just say, well, you know, I'm just not going to do it. No, God, when he says something, it's going to happen. <clears throat> um, Luke chapter 12, verse 40 says this. Be ye therefore ready also. So what does that mean to be ready? That means to be ready in your belief in God, in Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. And uh, therefore, what that means is that we need to, to search for God. And how you do that? Start in the Word of God. Then, And if you turn to... Uh, the book of Exodus, the Old Testament, in verse 20, you read the Ten Commandments or God's moral law. So you see, um, let me see how good of a person that you may th think you are. Have you ever uh, lied? So what do you call someone that lies? You call them a liar. Have you ever stole anything, no matter how long ago it was? Whether you were a child, a little paperclip, anything doesn't matter about you know how much it was or anything. If you ever stole anything, what does that make you? A thief. Um, have you ever took God's name in vain or used God's word as a cuss word? Uh, that's so serious in the Old Testament that it would put someone to death for doing that. Was, most people wouldn't use their mother's name as a cuss word. Most people. We have some that, you know, they don't care. But... Most people do value their mother and therefore they won't use their mother's name as a cuss word. So that's called blasphemy. Have you ever looked at another person with lust? Jesus said in the New Testament that anyone who looks at a person with lust has already committed adultery in his heart already. So that's adultery. So therefore, so if you look at it and you've you're honest with yourself, and me included, because I did the same stuff. So that means that you would be a lying, thieving, blasphemous, adulterous at heart, adulterate heart, and that's only four of the Ten Commandments, God's moral law. So therefore, we know we're guilty, and if God was to judge us on Judgment Day by the Ten Commandments, God's moral law, would you be found guilty or innocent? If you're honest, you would say, I would be found guilty because I broke this law. But through Christ, God sent his only begotten son, which is God manifest in the flesh. He came and he paid the ultimate sacrifice by coming. And then he was beaten on a, a, by the Romans at the time, who was the governmental officials back then. He was beaten, whipped for our transgressions or our law-breaking because somebody holy had to come to do this. There's nothing unholy could be the one-time sacrifice. So Christ came as 
a holy and perfect being. And therefore, so he came and he paid the penalty, died on the cross for us. And on the cross, he said right before he died, it is finished, which meant the payment for the law breaking of us had been completed or finished. So therefore, now we can come by faith to God and say, with a contract spirit or sorrowful heart, knowing that we've done something wrong and we've broken God's moral law, and if we were to die in our sins or our law breaking, we would end up in hell, burning forever in torment, forever and ever, where there's no time, and you'll have a body that will not be consumed, and you would just burn, burn, burn forever and feel all the pain and all the loneliness, and plus you're by yourself in a darkness away from God. It's horrific. That's why I come here today try to warn you and give you the gospel message the true gospel message that we all need Jesus Christ because we have sinned before God we are liars thieves fornicators um adulterers of the heart and blasphemers so we've we've all done this therefore we need Christ as our savior so, uh, continuing on, Galatians chapter 1, verse 6 through 9, King James Version says this, uh, this is Jesus speaking, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into grace, no, this is one of the disciples, I'm sorry, called you into grace of Christ unto another gospel. Verse 7, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. So in other words, you have people falling into all kinds of stuff, even those proclaiming to be Christians. Um, they're listening to different people who, who have different ideas that are similar to Christianity or the Bible, but it's not. The reason why they fall into it is because they don't read the, the Bible daily without fail and do what it says. If you don't study the Word of God every day without fail, it's a habit. Just like you have a habit of watching TV, you get in the habit of going to work, or you get in the habit of doing whatever it is that you do each and every day as your routine. The number one routine must be reading the Word of God daily without fail and doing what it says. Because if you don't, how can you be a Christian? You can't just occasionally read what it says and occasionally go to church and just occasionally do whatever. It doesn't work that way. If you occasionally go to a job, you're not going to be there very long because they're going to fire you because you're not doing what you're being paid to do. And it's the same thing. If you're not doing what God says in his word, how can you be a Christian? Will you fail? Of course you will. Will you sin not meaning to? Of course you will, but you go back to God with a contrite heart, sorrowful spirit, and ask for forgiveness. Say, God, forgive me of all my sins. I'm a wretched sinner. Have mercy upon me. Then transfer the trust in yourself to Jesus Christ alone and start continually serving, or start or continue in serving Him. Uh, verse 8 says this, But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Verse 9, as we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you, then that ye have received, 
Let him be accursed. So if you if you go after anything else but what the Bible says, you will be accursed. So this is the problem with people. In America, we have the problem to where um, you have different segments of people claiming Christianity, but they're really not following what the Word of God says because uh, they're just doing whatever. In other words, you have some some churches that proclaim Jesus Christ. You can do, you can continue in your sins, lie, cheat, steal, whatever. Come back. Oh, I'm sorry, and then continuing the same thing. No, it doesn't work that way. Once you come to Christ, there must be a change in your life. That means you're not lying, or you're striving not to lie, not to steal, not to look. Or look at another person with lust, not to take God's name in vain or using God's name as a cuss word, uh, not murdering, um, coveting, uh, false accusing other folks that's lying on other people when you know it's wrong, for whatever reason, no matter what it is. But if you're doing this, you'll be accursed of God. None of this is rocket science. It's very simple. But the reason why people reject the Bible and God is because. When you read the Word of God or you're listening to preaching, to true gospel preaching, you're going to be convicted of your law breaking, your sin. That means that you're not following the Ten Commandments or you're breaking God's moral law, the Ten Commandments. So therefore, it convicts you that you don't feel good about it. That's the whole point. Uh, it's kind of like if you're standing on a cliff, then your feet is right at the edge and you can hear all the little pebbles on your feet crumbling and all like that and all of a sudden you have fear because you're right at the edge of a thousand foot cliff well the fear is good for you because it's telling you you need to step back because you're you could fall and you could die and that's what the gospel the word of god does it convicts us and let us know we need to get right with god which is repenting of our sins asking god for forgiveness with a sorrowful spirit, knowing that we've broken his law, just like you would if you stand before a judge in court for a bunch of speeding tickets and you're about to go to jail and somebody pays the, uh, he pays the fine for you because you don't have the money. Then the judge can legally say you're free to go, the fine has been paid, so therefore you don't have to go to jail for this because it's been paid, therefore you can go. And that's what Christ did on the cross. He did the, he did the one-time payment so that all of us who are sinners and couldn't pay for ourselves can come to Jesus Christ and can be saved and have heaven when we die. See, fear is good. The fear of hell. There is a hell. Whether you believe it or not, it don't matter. Whether you believe in God, it doesn't matter. If you go outside and you look around, you have the, the trees, the birds, um, squirrels, or look at little puppies, kittens, whatever. You can see God's creation. So the creation speaks of his being. Just like you look at a building, somebody built the building. It didn't build itself by itself. It's like it just popped up one day. No. Somebody had to design it. Then people had to build it, create it. And it's the same thing with God. We're not here by accident. Um, being hungry for God. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 15 verse 16 Jeremiah was an Old Testament prophet and he started out pretty young when your words came I ate them they were my joy and my heart's delight 
So what he's saying is he's consumed God's word within his heart. It's like eating. If you go to a nice restaurant and you got your favorite foods there, you want to eat or a buffet, and you just you love it, you eat it till you get full. That's what he did, but he consumed God's word as a favorite food. Which same thing we need to do the same. And the uh, story of facts, it's continuing the story. A new believer in Jesus was desperate to read the Bible. However, he'd lost his eyesight and both hands in an explosion. When he heard about a woman who read Braille with her lips. Well, when he heard about a woman who, wrote, who read Braille with his lips, he tried to do the same only to discover that the nerve endings of his lips had also been destroyed. Later, he was filled with joy when he discovered that he could feel the Braille characters with his tongue. He had found a way to read and enjoy the scriptures. Now, that's what you call somebody determined to read God's word. He wanted to read God's word so much, he found a way to do it. It's kind of like I hear so many excuses every day that, well, I can't do this and I can't do that, right? But I say to people, if I gave you $1,000 to show up at church at 11 o'clock in the morning, I guarantee you, you'd find a way to get there because you want that $1,000. Because to you, the $1,000 is valuable. But you see, we should look at God's word and gathering together as Hebrews chapter 10.45 says, don't forsake yourselves the assembling of yourselves together because it's important for people to come together and worship God and hear his word. But you should be so hungry to hear the word that you're there and nobody has to pay you. Just like this fellow was when uh, he lost his uh, he lost his eyesight and he hands an explosion and nerve endings, but he found a way to, and he used his tongue. How many people are willing to do that? The one who saves, they took palm branches and went out to meet him shouting Hosanna. And that's in John chapter 12 verse 13. And Romans uh, I mean, in uh, John chapter 12, verse 12 through 18, says this. He was called one of the bravest persons alive, but he wasn't what others expect. This is a true story about uh, Desmond Doss. He was a, a World War II a Medal of Honor winner. He was, uh, he was in the Army, and he was fighting the Japanese, but he was a medic. And he was a Seventh-day Adventist, and he believed strongly not to kill anyone, and he refused to even touch a rifle. So they made him a medic. But during his time there, before the battles, before anybody was tried or tested, they would make a lot of fun of him and everything else and just torment him all the time because of his strong belief in God. Look what he says. Desmond was a soldier who declined to carry a gun. That a medic, he single-handedly rescued 75 injured soldiers in one battle, including some who were once called, some who once called him a coward and ridiculed him for his faith. Running into heavy gunfire, Desmond prayed continually, Lord, please help me get one more. He was awarded the Medal of Honor for his heroism. Scripture tells us that Jesus was greatly misunderstood. On the day foretold by the prophet Zechariah, chapter 9, verse 9, Jesus entered Jerusalem 
and the crowd waved branches shouting Hosanna. John chapter 12, verse 13, quoting Psalms 118, 26, they cried, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. John chapter 12, verse 13, but the very next verse in that psalm refers to bringing the sacrifice with bowls in hand, Psalms 118.27, while the crowd in John 12 anticipated an earthly king to save them from Rome, Jesus was much more. He was king of kings and our sacrifice. God in the flesh willingly embracing the cross to save us from our sins, a purpose prophesied centuries earlier. That first the disciples didn't understand all this. John writes, only later did they realize that these things had been written about him, John chapter 12, verse 16. Illumined by his word, God's eternal purposes became clear. Uh, in Pursuit of Jesus video to learn more about one who saves, you can watch that video online. And Philippians chapter 4 verse 12 says this, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. And this was by Paul. So what is what is contentment really? Contentment you can only truly find in Jesus Christ. Then repenting of your sins and then taking the trust from yourself and placing it in Christ alone as if you would to put on a parachute to save you because the plane's going to crash and need to jump. So it's to save you to the jump to come. You put your faith in that parachute. It's saved for Jesus Christ. You put Christ on as a parachute and put your trust in Christ as you would that parachute. But instead of saving for the jump to come, it's saving you from the judgment to come. Uh, the topic is fruit juice. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. John chapter 15, verse 5. And uh, in John 15, 5 through 8, it says this, story of facts and commentary. They thrift store bargain. The lamp seemed perfect for my home office. The right color, size, and price. Back at home, however, when I plugged in the cord, nothing happened. No light. No power, no juice. No problem, my husband assured me. I can fix that easy. As he took the lamp apart, he saw the trouble immediately. The plug wasn't connected to anything. Without wiring to the source of power, the perfect pretty lamp was useless. The same is true for us. Jesus told the disciples, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But then he added this reminder, apart from me, you can do nothing. You see, without Christ, it's pointless and useless. Yes, you can get out here and you can have a good trade or you can go to college and get good skills and have a great job and all like that. Worldly-wise, it's fantastic. Make money, whatever. But without Christ, apart from Christ, you're not going to have true joy and true peace. Plus, when you come to Christ, that fear is taken away from you of death. 
and everybody fears death. I don't care what people say. You're going to fear death somehow, some way. When you're in a situation that can be deadly to you, that fear will arise. And if you don't have Christ, if you haven't made Christ your Lord and Savior by repenting of your sins, that is God forgiveness for your law breaking of His moral law, the Ten Commandments, with a sorrowful heart, knowing you've done something wrong, and then transferring the Christ from your uh, transferring the trust in yourself to Christ alone, then you're always going to have this fear, and rightfully so. If you die without Christ, you're hell bound. Today, uh, we're still in April 2020, but today, uh, people steer, still fear death. Um, but most people now may not say it. They don't want to talk about it. They don't even want to visit it, which is crazy because you could die at any moment, any time. Uh, you could die of a blood clot or whatever, just like that. You you can fall down dead. You can get hit by a car, uh, lightning strikes, whatever, all kind of stuff. Millions of ways to die. Yet people don't want to think about it because it scares them. Because they don't know, uh, they don't know God. But they don't know that they don't know God, and they need to hear the word of God. That's why I'm here today, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, warning you as someone who's standing at a uh, the beginning of a bridge with a light to, to warn people that the bridge has been washed out. If you keep going, you're going to die. Your, your vehicle's going to go over there and you're going to die with, every, with all occupancy in the vehicle. And if you continue, it's on you. The person's warning you. Same for what I'm doing. I'm trying to warn you because I love you and I care about you even though I don't know you. But I care about everybody's soul. I want no one to go to hell. I'm feel grateful and merciful that God saved me when he did. So I'm here just trying to share what I've heard, what I know of, what I read of in the Bible, and I know it to be true. Because God works in my life each and every day, even though I don't deserve it, but Christ is so merciful upon me a sinner. But I'm saved through Christ. But I still live in a sinful body that's corrupting and go to die right there. But my soul is right with God. And when we come to Christ, He makes us holy. Not us, but He makes us holy. Once you repent of your sins with a sorrowful heart, contrite spirit, and then transfer the trust from yourself to Jesus Christ alone and make Him your Lord and Savior. And that's what ensures us, you see. Um, stay challenged to grow. Second Peter chapter three verse fourteen says this: Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot or blemish. So, how do we do that? By repenting of our sins with a sorrowful heart, and transferring the trust from ourselves to Christ alone, and start reading the Bible daily without fail and doing what it says. And also, while you're reading the Bible, uh, you need to meditate or think on what you read, then apply this application. 
Biblical principles never change, just like certain scientific principles never change. Gravity, gases, pressure, etc. The Ten Commandments are God's eternal principles. And then we need to critically think. Did you know in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, the NIV says this, or the New International Version says this, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Uh, in Acts chapter 17, verse 30, uh, the New International Version, the NIV says this, um, In the past, God overlooked such ignorance. But now he commands all people everywhere to repent. And repentance is asking God's forgiveness for our law-breaking of God's Ten Commandments, the moral law. It's called sin. So, remember, we must come to God with a sorrowful spirit, knowing that we've broken God's moral law. That's lying stealing, looking at somebody else with lust, uh, uh, which is adultery already in your heart, um, taking God's name in vain, which is blasphemy, and so forth and so on. So if you've broken God's moral law, which we have, if you're honest with yourself, you've broken some kind of a law, God's law, some way, somehow. So, repent of your sins, Ask God for forgiveness, which is called repentance, because of our law-breaking, and then transferring your trust from yourself that you always have, and put your trust in the cross alone as you would a parachute that you put on because the plane you're in is going to crash, and you're going to, it's going to save you from the jump you have to make to save yourself. And it's the same thing you're putting on Jesus Christ, as you would the parachute because you're trusting in Christ for the judgment that is to come. So let's pray right now. Heavenly Father, I pray for those watching this video, Father God, and I pray that they heed the warning that we've just given here, that they must come to you with repenting, asking for forgiveness, knowing that they've lied, they've stolen, They've looked at another person with lust, which is adultery. They've took your name in vain or used your name as a cuss word and so on and so forth. as is in the Ten Commandments. Lord, I ask you to convict their hearts so they will make that decision today to, to transfer the trust from themselves to Christ alone, that they will start reading the Bible daily, starting with the book of John, read the New Testament, then start reading the Old and New Testament together. Um, and doing what it says. So read the Bible daily and do what it says and do it now.